R. Kelly wrote a song, I Believe I Can, I can Fly. Huh? R. Kelly. Not our Kelly, but R. Kelly. Uh, here's the, the words of that song, I Believe I Can Fly. It says, I used to think that I could not go on, and life was nothing but an awful song. But now I know the meaning of true love. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. I, if I see it, then I can do it. If I just believe it, there's nothing to it. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. I think about it night and day. Spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can soar. I, I see me running through that open door. I believe I can fly. Now, I don't know if he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit when he wrote that. But I tell you what, that's some good, there's some good words there. There's a good application of that. We need to know that we can soar above all challenges and opposition and difficulty that come into our life. You know, God tells us, and he tells the Philadelphia church in Revelation chapter 3, he said, Behold, I've placed before you an open door. An open door that we can go through. He says, what I open, no man can shut, and what I shut, no man can open. God opens the door of our destiny, of our purpose, but he also, he's going to open a door of rapture and out translation from this old world. Times are going to get worse as far as what the world thinks, but they get better if you're a believer because it, we just get closer and closer to that time of when we're going to see him. And then we will, as the, uh, that one scripture said, I will fly away. There's an old song. Sometimes we sing it at funerals. I'll fly away. We will. We're going to catch wings, as it were, and fly away. We're going to soar. We're going to leave this world. But you know what? You can, you can fly every day. You can soar above your problems every day. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And I'm sure that this is a passage of scripture that many, uh, most all of you have heard. Most all of you maybe have applied in your life, but I want us to look at it today. With this message, I believe I can fly, but here's the underlining thing. There's seven principles of, of the eagle that I believe represent the, a type of overcomer that we need to be, that we need to be overcomers. Because he tells that Philadelphia church, I know that you have a little strength, but you have not, you've, you've kept my word, you've not denied my name. They've overcome the things that came into their life. And he says, because of that, he says, I'm going to keep you from that hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world. I want to equip you to be an overcomer. I don't want to see any of you left here when the, that, that time of trial, that time of tribulation, the seven-year tribulation comes. I don't see any of you left here. I, I, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. He says, I want to... Uh, I want to present you spotless before our Lord. Amen? Praise God. You know, there's, the Bible talks about that there's silence in heaven for 30 minutes. That was when they looked back, those that were in heaven, they looked back at the earth and they saw what was going on and no one could say anything. There was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. It was so bad. And just that, those thoughts of like, oh my goodness, you know. And probably thinking, is there anything else I could have done? to help get that person saved or to help equip them to be out of this mess that's coming up on the face of the earth. People, we have an awesome responsibility and that is, first of all, to get ourselves ready but also to help prepare those around us for eternity. And that, that when you're saved, yes, we're going to be set free and we'll be going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ but also that we ought to be uh, desiring and longing to be the bride of Christ that we can be presented to him as that bride that sees him and be of this company of believers that, that uh, he says that, that are kept from all that trial, that hour of trial that comes upon the face of the earth. In Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31, Isaiah writes, and I'm reading from the New International Version this morning, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Wow, that's cool. Listen to it again. But those who hope, the King James says wait, that word in, in the Hebrew is hope or expect. Those who stand in expectation of the Lord will renew their strength. If your expectation is in you or somebody else around you or something or someone, you will be disappointed. People disappoint you, things disappoint you, but God never does. So we need to put our expectation in the Lord. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. 
They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Say, I believe I can fly. I don't have any pixie dust this morning to sprinkle over you. But you know what? Uh, I've got the word of God which produces faith in you. And I want you today to believe and to expect that you can soar above any challenge or difficulty that comes your way. The eagle is a symbol of great strength. That ought to challenge us as believers that, that through Christ, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Great strength. It's also a symbol of leadership or being able to overcome certain things. And the vision to be able to see and have discernment. So as overcomers, we need uh, to have each one of these characteristics in our life. In early Christianity, the eagle was, uh, was seen as a symbol of hope and of strength. And I think that that's why uh, it's used in this verse. Those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. They shall soar on wings like eagles. The eagle appears twice in the book of Revelation. And both times in that context, it suggests that, um, that the eagle is on the side of, of the Lord, on God's side. So that's a good thing. Symbolically, the eagle stands for, as I said a while ago, strength and power. But also that strength and power of being able to rise above the earth. To rise above uh, physical uh, and um, above the physical and above the literal. You know, those things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Sometimes things that are literal in our life, we just take it too literally and it seems to bog us down, to hold us back. And we need to be able to rise above those things and be able to see with the eyes of discernment that are spiritual eyes that see it from the heaven rather than seeing it from the earth. I've uh, flown in airplanes a lot and it's interesting from that altitude you look down and things just seem so calm, seem so peaceful, everything just seems so different, so small. And as we mentioned last week, you know, the, the key for really overcoming is to don't sweat the small stuff. And that the second thing is it's all small stuff. And, you know, when you rise up and when you soar on wings like eagles, as you look down from that perspective, it's all small stuff. It's a whole different perspective. And um, so we're to rise up, and the, the eagle is symbolic of, of uh, being able to rise above the, the physical, the natural, the literal, and into the realm of faith, uh, into that realm of discernment, into the realm of penetrating spiritual intuition or discernment. Uh, you know, intuition is, is being able to know or, or to, to have a grasp, kind of a, a knowing of something. That's what discernment is, spiritual discernment. We need to have that knowing within our knower that we just know what God knows. And he can do that through the Holy Spirit. You know, not just to, to Christians, but in many cultures, the, the eagle is seen as a, uh, as a spirit of tenacity and a gift of clear vision. Also, it represents patience uh, to wait for the appropriate moment. You know, many times you'll see uh, maybe a picture or a, a video of an eagle that's soaring above some water. And it'll wait and it'll watch. And then all of a sudden it'll come down, dip down, and take those strong talons and pick a salmon out of the water or something like that. Patient to know and to wait to say, I'm gonna, it's going to come my way. I'm going to see it. Not worried about it at all. Uh, it's a symbol of, of having that patience to, to, to just live in in a balance between, you know, the heaven and the earth. That, that, you know, this is my domain. You know, we're here on this earth, but really we are seated in the heavenly realms, is what it says in Ephesians. And so we need to have an understanding of that and to be able to get acquainted with the atmosphere that we are created to dwell in. Amen? Eagles teach us to look above, uh, to look above in order to touch the heavens with our heart, with our spirit, that we're looking up and knowing that uh, that. That's where God is, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. One person said, eagles remind us to grant ourselves permission to be free in order to reach the joy that our hearts desire. I think there is a joy of being able to soar above the difficulties and not to be all pulled down and, and to worry about it. In history, the eagle represents honesty, truth, majesty, strength, uh, courage, wisdom, power, freedom. The writer today, Isaiah, he says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. The psalmist wrote in the 103rd Psalm, in the fifth verse there, he writes, 
uh, talking about the Lord and looking to the Lord and being there with the Lord. Who, he says, who satisfies uh, your desires with good things so that, you, uh, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, God helps us to do that. And when we put our expectation in him, he renews that. And we're strong in him. Well, let's look at seven things, seven characteristics of an eagle that really that we ought to have to help us to be able to overcome the things of this life so that we can fly. First of all, eagles fly alone at high altitudes and not with the sparrows or other small birds. And one person said it's hard to soar with eagles when you live with turkeys. <laughs> Well, you know, eagles don't fly with turkeys, <laughs> you know. They soar, and usually they're alone there. No other bird can go to the height that the eagle can go to. Some of them have been spotted from airplanes at altitudes 10 to 15,000 feet high. Wow. You know, when, when Moses went to uh, talk with the Lord, to have that, uh, that communication with God on that mount, he left the crowd at the foothills, and he went up. He went up on that mountain. Sometimes it's time to leave the crowd, leave the turkeys, and to go up and to meet with the Lord and to, to soar with him. You know, stay away from, again, the turkeys. Stay away from the ravens. Stay away from the sparrows and uh, get together. Eagles fly with eagles. You know, sometimes you'll see maybe the two of them fly together or whatever, but they are always flying, you know, mostly alone, and they fly at these great altitudes. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verses 14 through 16. And this tells us something about knowing how to stand alone and to be able to walk alone. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Don't be sore trying to fly with turkeys. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? And that's a, a form of Satan, a, kind of a name for him, Belial. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Verse 17. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. There's a time to come out. We don't participate in the things of the world. Now, we know that we're in this world, but the Bible says we're not of this world. Jesus got criticized for eating with the, the tax collectors and, and the prostitutes, you know, we should. We don't ever want to think that we're so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. But the thing is, is knowing how to separate ourselves from certain things. We don't. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're to be the light of the world, that we bring light to darkness. And so we've got to be in darkness to bring light. You're going to work with unbelievers. You're going to be around unbelievers, but you don't have to be like unbelievers. And so in that. Thing, we need to make sure that we are set apart, that we are still soaring in the heavenly realms with, with the Lord. And, and um, you know, then in our relationships, how can you be in agreement with an unbeliever? There's some real cautions here about relationships, marital relationships. A lot of times uh, that girl, she thinks she's going to get, you know, she'll change him. She'll just, get, you know, she'll, she'll lock onto him and, and she'll change him. Well, he might change uh, you know, while he's trying to make a good impression, but you better watch out, you know. Make sure that you get a good one before you think that you're going to try to change him. You might change him for the worst. <laughs> no. But it says, um, for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Be careful if you are uh, a business person, if you have your own business. Be careful about partnerships. Be, be, be careful about how you lock together with certain people. Did you know that when God uh, gets, when he judges a person, when a person does something wrong, he will judge that person. He brings uh, chastisement or something upon them. Well, if those that are in partnership with that person, they also suffer that judgment, that correction. So you better be careful who you are in, in partnership with. In fact, the Bible really talks about uh, against being in partnership. Be careful about that. 
You know, even in business, it's better to subcontract or work for somebody rather than to go into partnerships with somebody because whoever you go into partnerships with, if their life isn't set apart for God, whenever he brings judgment upon them, it's going to come upon you too. Hello. Some of you might be aware of that. So be careful about that. There's a whole teaching on partnerships. Marriage is a partnership. It's a lifelong partnership. Be careful. Watch out. And so he's talking about, you know, it's hard to be an overcomer when you're being pulled down by these other things. He says, what harmony, verse 15, is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? You're going to find out that there's things that, that you disagree on and you think, well, those aren't really big things. Well, they're not really big things until things get tough. When the pressure really comes on, the small things sometimes get really challenging. You ever have a, a hot uh, grill or maybe a pan that has grease in it, you know, and it's really hot? And you can take just a little teeny tiny drop of water and hit that with it. Man, what does it do? Pew! Man, I mean, it bounces all over. That's not a really big thing. You could flip that on Gabe and he wouldn't think anything about it. But boy, you hit that hot grease with it and it, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? can be disastrous if there's too much. Sometimes those little things like that can really be a big thing. It can really cause some, uh, some, you know, some division and some hurt and some, uh, some turbulence in our life if we're not careful. So we've got to learn that, uh, like the eagle, they fly alone. I and mean, when they mate, you know, they mate for a lifetime. And they're, they're together for a lifetime. So be careful. Those relationships that you build, we need to build them with uh, believers and know that, you know what, we're going to be together not only in this life but in, in eternity together. And that's another thing. You know, with the believers, we're going to find out that we have disagreements. But we, we ought to know that there are some things that we can agree on. When we agree on the spiritual things of, of who is our Savior, where we're going to spend eternity, at least we can fall back on those things. Sandy and I were going on, it will be, let's see, this coming April will be uh, 44 years that we've been married. Have we had some disagreements? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. As a believer, I think that, you know what, we ought to be able to work things out. We're to, we're to be able to work things out between our brothers and our sisters because we have more in common than we have, uh, you know, not in common, and that we have a challenge that we're to walk in unity with one another, and we've tried to do that in our marriage. We've tried to look at what we do have in common, and sometimes we agree to disagree on some things until we can be agreed, you know. When we got married, Sandy said, what's mine is mine, what's yours is mine. <laughs> You know, and that's true on some things. <laughs> yeah. And so the other things that are mine, I just don't tell her. But no, <laughs> I'm only serious. <laughs> but uh, God tells his people to come out, which implies a definite act on their part to come out. There's times that we need to set ourselves apart. You know, the greatest thing that you can teach a child is how to stand alone. You know, we try to keep our kids from this or keep our kids from that. You know, you can't keep them from any of those things. You better believe that Satan will find them. He'll bring those temptations to them. The greatest thing that we can equip them with is when that happens, how do we stand alone? How do we take that stand in the Lord and say, you know what? Um, you know, I, I've, I've given my life to Christ, and I, can't, I just can't do that. We don't have to bring judgment. There's things, too, that, you know, that people a lot of times when we're out, we're on the Harleys or different things like that, and it'll scare people to death when they find out that I'm a pastor. But sometimes, you know, they offer you this or offer you that, and I say, hey, you know, you know what, I've given my life to Christ, and I made a commitment to him, and I just can't do that. I don't say, what are you talking about, and try to bring judgment. John 3, 17 said, God sent not a son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. If Jesus didn't come to condemn, we're sure not come to, uh, sent to condemn anybody, right? But we just need to know that it's okay. I can stand alone, and I can walk. I don't have to, I'm, I don't have to be in agreement with you on that thing, but I can be a light during that time of darkness in your life. But we need to learn how that we can soar above those things and not be held down by those things. If temptation is holding you down, if there's something in your life that seems to be a weight that's pulling you down, you need to get rid of it. In Hebrews it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us so that we can run with perseverance this race course that's set out for us. That gives a picture of in the Middle Eastern custom they had these robes that sometimes that they would wear and sometimes they'd be real tight along along the, the, your ankles. And so you could only go like this. I mean, you could, you could walk just fine, you know. But if you tried to run, you're kind of 
you're kind of hobbled. And so he was using that as a visual, like, you know, these things, it'll entangle you. You can't run this race. Remember when Elijah, he saw, he asked his servant, to, you know, he's praying for rain, and finally the servant came back and said, well, I see a cloud that's like the size of a man's hand. But he said, oh, go tell the king, you know, let's go. And he says he, he girded up his robe, and he said, man, I'm getting ready to run. I can't have anything holding me back. He pulled up that robe and tucked it in that belt because he said, man, i got to take some strides here. He said, I'm going to be running. You know, we've got to get rid of the things that entangle us and hold us back so we can run with perseverance. If there's something in your life that's holding you down, not allowing you to soar over, judge it, get rid of it. You can't fly as the eagle. You can't mount up and soar on wings as the eagle when you're being held down by these other things trying to fly with the turkeys. You don't have to be like them. We're called to a heavenly nature, a higher nature. Amen. You know, this separation that God's talking about, it's not just a, it's not a negative act, you know, of like setting ourselves apart from that, but it's, it's a positive dedication to God. That's what it's showing is that I'm dedicating myself to the Lord and to Him first. I set myself apart to Him so that I can have that, uh, so that I can be in communion with Him, be a part of what He's doing, not necessarily that this world is holding me down. Of course, the eagle has to, has to have some connections here. I mean, that's how he eats and various things like that. But you see his domain is up here. And he, he enters that atmosphere at his choice for those things that are necessary. So we need to be able to make those good decisions and those choices. In that passage there in 2 Corinthians, he says, Touch not the unclean thing. It's a warning against uh, defilement. Be careful. Be careful about what we would associate ourselves with that would defile us, that would uh, hinder us, that would harm our, our thinking or our actions that would separate us from God. You know, in Romans it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We know that through salvation that, that we look and we see that our works of our life are sin, and sin brings death. It brings separation, eternal separation when, it's, when we're without Christ. But you know, even as a believer, if you sin, sin still brings death. Sin still brings separation. It separates us from the blessings of God. You say, well, wait a minute. A, a believer, a Christian can sin? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, and John says, um, he that says he has no sin lies and deceives himself. You know, the, the sin of iniquity, which is self-centeredness, is prominent in, probably in, in everybody, thinking of our own self before we think about God. It hinders us in all of us. It hinders, maybe you were hindered today in your giving because you were thinking about what you needed and about what you were trying to provide for yourself rather than trusting God to provide for you. Hello. Say, thank God the offerings are finished. You can still give online or in those boxes. <laughs> you know, when we think of ourselves before we think about God, then that's, that's iniquity. And iniquity separates us then from the blessings that would come from God when we would participate in his principles. And so we got to be careful. Don't, you know, don't touch any unclean thing. Don't participate with the unclean thing because that separates us from God's blessing. Talking about those partnerships again. If we're connected with the unclean, with someone that's not living right, God can't bless what's not, what's not right. So that means that that then hinders the blessings. It'll hinder the blessings in your life when you are associated then with that unbeliever. Are you following me today? Amen? Amen. You know, I'm sorry, but that's just the way that it is. It's the truth. So he says, touch not any, any unclean thing. You know, the... In the Old Testament, the Jew was defiled if he touched a dead body or, um, you know, things like that. And it's just a reminder to, it, to us today that we shouldn't associate with the things that would compromise our testimony, that would lead us into disobedience. Don't compromise your testimony. Mount up, soar on wings as eagles. You know what? It gives us a good feeling, too. When you overcome something... You know, and you mount and you're soaring above it, you just get that feeling that it's just a good feeling, you know, because you begin to see that as a small thing. It's not holding you down, you're above it. How many know what I'm talking about? When you haven't given in to maybe a, a desire, a habit, or a hang up, or something like that, and you've overcome that thing and you soar above it, you feel like, yes, okay, I overcame that. You know, so that, that's why we, we have to be careful, you know. 
Eagles have a real strong vision. They're able to see certain things. It says they have two eyes and that they're able to focus differently there on, on not just two eyes, but it's like two different, two ways of focusing. And they have this certain vision. We need to have that spiritual discernment not to let something entrap us or, or hold us back. So be careful. The other thing about these eagles, uh, you know, they don't eat dead things. <laughs> they eat live things. They're not a buzzard. You know, we're not, don't, uh, you're not called to soar with the buzzards. You're, they're mounted up with wings as eagles, amen? They feed on the fresh prey. And um, in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Don't you know that, that when you offer yourselves to someone who obeys, uh, to obey him as slaves, that you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. In other words, don't give yourself to, to sin, that leads to death, you know, to the dead things, to our old nature, to our, our the, the old nature that is to be dead. We're dead indeed to sin. So you don't have to participate that. Don't be feasting on those things. Feast on the word of God, which is alive and, and real. Um, so um, I've got three, three things there. First of all, the, the eagles, they soar real high. Number two, eagles have strong vision. Number three, eagles don't eat dead things. Number four, eagles love a storm. Eagles love a storm. In fact, they'll wait in their nest that's real high. They'll wait, and, and for, if they see a storm ri rising, they'll wait and they'll watch. They'll watch for those, that uh, turbulent area to come. And when they do, they'll, they'll launch out and they catch that, that, that uh, wave, that uh, cloud, and, and that, uh, that, as that air pressure comes up, and they'll catch that and they'll soar higher and they just mount up with it. And they're able not to, to their wings are so heavy that if they were trying to fly all the time, they'd wear themselves out. You know, so they mount up then on this storm cloud and they let the storm take them above the challenges and the difficulties, you know. And um, so when storms are rising, eagles get excited. And that's the way that you ought to be as a believer. Get ready. You're about to take flight. <laughs> you know, when you, when you see a storm coming, when you see a challenge, when you see opposition, you ought to say, all right, get ready. We're about to fly here. You know, Sandy thinks I'm crazy sometimes. <laughs> she shakes her head, you know. Something will happen, some challenge or difficulty come, and I'll just laugh. And she said, what is it? I said, get ready. We're about to mount up. We're about to fly above these things. She said, I don't, how can you do that? I said, well, just have to do it. You know, it's better than saying, oh, no. Oh, my goodness, and getting full of fear. I'd rather get full of faith. And I can choose whether I want to be full of faith or full of fear. So I just make a choice that I'm going to be full of faith. I'm going to rise above this thing. I'm going to let the storm push me up rather than the storm push me down. I don't want to get caught below the waves down here. I want to mount up and soar above it. Amen? The eagle uses that storm, the storm's winds, to lift it higher. So when the storm comes into your life, let that lift you higher. You know, once it finds the, the wind of the storm, it uses that raging storm just to lift him above those, those storm clouds and all that opposition, all the difficulties that come. And, and you know what? There's a different perspective from up there. We've uh, been in airplanes flying at night, and the storms are coming up, and the, the aircraft will go above the storm. And you see the lightning up there. You can see that storm flashing around. And it seems so peaceful up there above that turbulence, but you see all that flash, and it's like, well, that's pretty. That's kind of pretty. It's kind of beautiful. And you think, I bet it's not too beautiful if you're down there in the storm. But it's just a different perspective. And so you know what? We need to rise above it. We can use the storms of life to, to rise to greater heights, you know, and say, you know what? This is going to produce something beautiful rather than something terrible in my life. We ought to see that that storm is, is profitable to us. It's going to accomplish something. Number five, the eagle shows faithfulness and commitment when it's tested. Uh, I jotted this down about, about the eagles. It says that when a, the female eagle meets a male and that they want to mate, she flies down to the earth with, uh, with the male chasing after, pursuing her, and she uh, picks up a twig, and she flies back into the air with the male you know, just uh, pursuing her again. And once she's reached a height high enough uh, uh, for her that she lets the twig fall to the ground and, and watches it as it falls. The male chases after the twig and the faster it falls, the faster he chases it and uh, it says that he has to catch it before it falls to the ground. 
He then brings it back up to the female eagle again, and the female eagle grabs the twig, and then she flies even higher uh, to a higher altitude, then she drops that twig for the male to chase. This goes on for hours and hours, and you know, I found out that that's true in life. There seems like there's always something that, there's a list somewhere that <laughs> I just... <laughs> And something to do. It just feels like you're chasing after a dropping twig. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but this is, a, this is to test the male's commitment. The female, she says, you know, if he does that, and he's faithful to do that, he's committed to me, you know what? You know what? Then I'm gonna, we're going to lock in together. We're going to bond together. And they make this commitment, and they make that commitment for life. You know, it goes on for hours and hours. And, um, you know, that male, he masters the art of catching that twig, which shows his undivided uh, commitment to her. And then, and that's, that's the only time then she allows him to, to uh, be her maid and they mate for life. The 139th Psalm, verse 23, says, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Test me and know me. He says, Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You know, there's been times, I think, with my walk with the Lord that he's tested me and it seemed like, this is silly. It's just a stupid twig. <laughs> Fall, here I go again. You know, it's like maybe it's redundant or maybe it's a test. And a lot of times the Lord allows those things to see, are we really, are we really committed to him? And that's what the psalmist says, search me, O God. Test me in this. Search me, O God. Know my ways. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Is this causing me to be aggravated, frustrated with God? Or am I saying, this is fine, God. You know, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to, I'm going to be committed to you. This is what you have me to do. I'm going to do it. There was a time in our life we had, um, we were in between. We had, had gone to a church and I had been associate pastors there, and the Lord released us from that, and it was just, it was kind of an interesting situation, and I didn't really know what the Lord was wanting to, us to do, and I was praying, and I said, okay, Lord, you know, whatever you want me to do, I surrendered, whatever, no matter what it is, and we went on some mission trips, I thought that's what the Lord wanted us to do, and, and that didn't come through, and, and it was just like every day, it was, this was just so intense, and it was just on my mind 24 hours a day, and, and just, Lord, whatever you want me to do. I remember one night I went in, and the, the television was on, and there was a special about Ghana, Africa, and it was talking about, um, it wasn't that there was certain poverty there, but it's talking about how they couldn't get things. It was like coffee was $35, you know, for a can of ground coffee because you had to get it on the black market or something like that. And it was just the, the challenges were so tough. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, would you be willing to go to, to Ghana? I had a friend, another pastor, him and his family, they were missionaries there, and they talked about some challenges and some difficult times. And boy, I sit there thinking, I just got this sick feeling in my heart and in my spirit. And I thought, Lord, I'll do that. I'll go to the ends of the earth for you. But I don't know if I want to drag my kids, my family there. Is that right for them? Lord, you know, I'll, I'll do it. But I just don't know if that's something that I should drag my family into. Do they deserve that? You know, and I was thinking, and so I, I just was mulling over that. And it was like, there was no, yes, I'll go do it, like it had been before in some of the, the weeks and months prior. And I just committed, okay, Lord, that's, I'll do it, I'll go. And it was like the Lord said, okay, just wanted to see. It's kind of like that test, you know, the ram in the bush, you know, and here we go. And the Lord says, no, and he provides a sacrifice. And that was kind of what had been happening. But this was different, and it didn't leave me. We ended up uh, moving, and we were heading back to Kansas area. There was a couple of churches that were needing a pastor. And I thought, well, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. I didn't have a yes, I didn't have a no, but I thought, well, we're going to head that direction. We're just going to go. We're going to head that direction. We'll see. We got about as far as Tulsa, and we were, I was out of money. I didn't have money to buy gas or anything else to, or food with the four kids to get to where, to go on to Kansas, and I stopped there, and, and we went to church, and uh, Pastor, it was Pastor Tom Scott said, hey, will you, y'all uh, can stay here. We've got a little apartment in the church, and he says, will you speak tomorrow night? I said, sure, I'll, I'll speak. And so I preached, and so afterwards, uh, Pastor Scott said, well, Paul and, and Sandy and their kids, they're going to be with us for a while. He kind of knew what our situation was. I didn't just pour it all out on him. He kind of knew. He said, they're going to be with us for a while, and he could, he could use a job. If anybody knows of any work that's available, he's a carpenter, different things like that. So, you know, uh, if you know of something, let him know about it. And so afterwards, people were, were shaking hands, you know, and this guy came up and said, hey, man. He said, uh, you're a carpenter? I said, yeah, yeah, 
I am. He said, well, uh, we're working in Jinx, which is just south of Tulsa. And he says, building some fourplex apartments out there. And he says, they're, they're hiring. He says, why don't you come out? I said, okay. So the next day, I was praying and seeking the Lord. I thought, Lord, I mean, I, I got my tools, you know, in the car. I don't mind doing this. I, I enjoy doing it. But is that what you want? You know, wait a minute. We're in ministry. I quit all that. I gave up my business and went in. Uh, into ministry for you it just doesn't seem right to go back and do that but I, you know I, I will if that's what you want me to do and I was praying waiting for an answer never heard an answer from the Lord never heard an answer from the Lord and um, so about three about three o'clock I, I need to go out and check on that jobs and so of course the kids everybody want to go so we all load up you know here we go out to the job and, and I talked to the superintendent he said uh, well can you cut stairs I said yeah Cutting stairs, I said, from Kansas, you know, we every house has a basement, cut stairs in there and different things like that. He says, you got your own tools? I said, yeah, I do. He says, you want to start in the morning? I go, well, how much you paying? You know? And so anyway, I got a job. And so I'm thinking, I mean, that's good. You know, that's a good thing. But I'm thinking, Lord, what are you doing? I mean, I thought we were here, Lord. Now I feel like I'm back here because it wasn't, you know, I had gone from, uh, working with a Christian construction company to have my own business to going into ministry and coming back and, and working and now I'm back in a secular construction company and I mean it's you know I mean it's just the old, old stuff you know just the cussing and the, and the this and that and, and the first at 10 o'clock break they put me with a guy he was a walk-on for the Oklahoma Outlaws back at that time he had forearms like Popeye he stood about six foot six big old guy man he sits down he, he at 10 o'clock pulls out a joint says you want some of this I said nah I'm okay <laughs> you know and I'm thinking what am I doing I, I thought I was soaring with the eagles but now I feel like I'm walking down here with the turkeys you know and all this stuff I just couldn't figure out what was going on and uh, we were still staying there in that little apartment because a couple of days and and um, Full Gospel Grace Fellowship had an office in that church, and I was ordained through Full Gospel Grace Fellowship. And so uh, the president, he came up, he said, hey, I've been looking for you. He said, I got a letter that came in for you. I said, really? I said, okay. So I took this letter, and I looked, and the return address was from Ghana, Africa. And I stood there for a moment. First, I kind of got, like, just my heart dropped, but then I got excited. And I thought, well, praise God. At least I know. Lord, you answered me. And I thought, wow, I've been struggling with this. I didn't give him an answer way back then when he began to deal with me about this. But Lord, thank you. I'm happy for this. All right, thank you for answering this. So I opened it, you know, and I read this and it said, uh, uh, Dear Brother Paul, we read some of your articles that you wrote in such and such and such and such. It really encouraged us. And if you're ever over this way, drop in and preach for us. We'd love to have you come preach. And I'm like, what? Am I not supposed to go to Ghana? It wasn't a, like, go there and be a missionary. It was just kind of like, just wanted to see if you'd be willing. And I said, okay. So then I thought, well, Lord, what are you doing? We ended up staying in Tulsa. We uh, ended up, in fact, we went to get an apartment. Here's how crazy things are. We went to get an apartment. And our youngest child, he was just, just a baby at that time, we go in and we're applying for an apartment. And this lady that's, that's uh, you know, handling all that, she keeps looking at Sandy, keeps looking up. She says, this is crazy. Oh, great. I guess we're not going to get this apartment. <laughs> and she says, I can't believe I'm doing this. I don't do this. But she says, have you ever managed apartments looking at Sandy? Sandy said, no. She said, well, do you, would you like to? Sandy says, well, I don't know. And Sandy had been in management, worked for Southwestern Bell Telephone and different things. She's very capable. And so she says, I don't even know why I'm asking you this. But she said, I just feel like that I ought to offer you this job. And so... I said, well, wait a minute, you know, <laughs> okay, because I'm thinking, okay, now I'm working, I got a job here working construction, and Sandy doesn't really need to work, so I'm asking, so what's up with this? Well, you'll have your own apartment free, and all that starts on all this stuff, and so I looked at Sandy, I said, what do you want to do? She says, I think it'd be great, and Sandy said, but I, you know, I've got a new baby, and, and oh, you can bring your baby, you can bring him to work, it's no big deal, and all this stuff, worked out great, I'm thinking, what's going on? Things are going too fast over here, but it's like it's, these doors are opening in the wrong place. God, aren't we supposed to be over here? So it ended up that uh, I had an opportunity to go back to school. That's how I went back to Oral Roberts University. 
God took care of us. They asked us to come on staff at, at Beams of Light there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we were the singles directors and, and worship leader. And I was able to do that and, and go to school full-time, carry 18 hours at Oral Roberts University. I don't know how in the world you're able to do stuff like that and work a full-time job. And was able to do that. We stayed there for four years. Never made it to Kansas. <laughs> I don't know what those churches did for a pastor. But God put us there in that, that situation to continue his working in our life until I got a call from Alvin, Texas, asking us to come down here, and I laughed. <laughs> I thought, what in the world would make me want to go to Alvin, Texas? <laughs> I mean, literally, I said, I believe that's, that's probably not the end of the world, but I believe you could see it from there. <laughs> see, we, because we left Alvin, Texas... When we went and we stopped in Tulsa, we had been in it here in Alvin, Texas. We had a little, little stay here for a little while, and it was bad. It was bad, something that you would never want to come back to, and I never did. So it had to be God, and God, I, I was on my way back out to school, and I can tell you, I can show you the spot there on the interstate where God said, go to Alvin, Texas, and establish my people. I stopped. I pulled off the side of the road. I put my head down on the steering wheel, and I started not to cry. I thought, Lord, forgive me. What have I done? <laughs> what have I done? Give me another chance. Please give me another chance. You know, We're here. I mean, the church loved us. They'd given us a four-bedroom house to live in, was taking great care of us. Everything was going wonderful. Lord, why? And I was just miserable. I thought, oh, my goodness. I went to talk to my pastor about it, and he said, wow. And, you know, they didn't want to lose us. And we were, Sandy was doing the children's ministry and different things. And he said, well, I'll pray with you about it. But he says, that sounds like God to me. And so we did. And we prayed. And God just confirmed it. But I kept fighting it. And uh, ended up surrendering, came back. And the rest of it is, is really history. It's, God has just opened up the doors. But it was hard. I couldn't understand, you know, what's going on. Lord, why? Why this? It felt like I was just, you know, there for a while. It's like, okay, and, and I, I remember going, uh, let me go back to when I went into construct, that construction, uh, I went to work for that construction company. After about a week, I remember going to church one Wednesday night. I was so tired. I was putting in about 70 to 80 hours a week working and go to work at dark, come home at dark, and I laughed. I said, our, I, we had two dogs, we had gotten two dogs somehow or another, and, and I said, you know, they think their name is get down and get back. <laughs> and I said, they don't even recognize me. If it turns a day, they won't recognize me. But, but I, had, I always came to church, and, and when it was open, and I remember going Wednesday night, I was so tired, and I was sitting there, and I thought, and I was just dealing with all this stuff. I thought, what am I doing? I feel like I've stepped way back, Lord. I mean, we, I've come through this, and I've given up all this stuff, and to go into full-time ministry for you, and we traveled around for eight years in a singing ministry and a preaching ministry and various things, and I felt like that, you know, I kind of taken this sort, you know, kind of this level and this level, and all of a sudden, I was way down here. And I remember sitting there thinking, what have I done, Lord? And then I, I remember saying, you know what, Lord? If this is what, where you've brought me, and this is what you want me to be. I'll be the best member of this church. I'll help the pastor. I'll do whatever needs to be done. I'll be here to open doors. I'll be here to, to uh, clean the toilets. Whatever you want me to do, I'll be here. And I remember saying that, and it's like the Lord was like, really? He challenged me. That church was like our church. We don't really have a written membership, but it's something that when you feel like it, you want to make a commitment, you have that opportunity. And so I went to the pastor. I said, I just want you to know, I have no idea what the Lord's doing. It looks like he's dropped us off here. And I said, but I want you to know that I'm going to commit myself to you and to this church, and I'm going to be here, and I'm pledging to be the best member of this church. He said, man, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. That was way, that was about seven months before we ever went on staff with that church. And I remember times when it seemed like it wasn't fun. It was, it was hard. It was difficulty. But God challenged me in that. It's like, get the stick. Get the stick. Whew. Get the stick. Take it back up. Here it is. And it's just like just being committed, just being committed, just doing whatever he said to do, doing whatever he said to do, testing commitment. And God says, that's how you learn to soar as an eagle. That's how you learn to mount up, just commitment, being focused. I said, Lord, I want to be yours. I want to be committed to you. I want to be married to you for 
above all other things in my life, and you, you know, lock in for a lifetime. Just like those eagles mate together, it's for a lifetime. I want to prove my commitment to you no matter how large or how small. And a lot of times he tests it in the small things. Go get the stick. <laughs> okay. I think I'm a little above getting sticks, but I'll go get the stick. Go get it again. Okay. <laughs> All right, now go get it over there. <laughs> wow, okay, we're getting the stick. Boy, we've been getting the stick. <laughs> you know, and we've gone on and on and on and on, getting the stick. And one day the Lord says, you know what? You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you rule over many things. And usually when that comes, it's like, Alvin, Texas? <laughs> It's like, you know what, I kind of like getting the stick. <laughs> Let's go back to getting the stick. Okay, I can handle getting the stick. I got that down real good now. <laughs> I don't know about that. But we follow him and we show our commitment to him. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he said, not that I have already attained or am already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. I press on, he says. I'm pressing with everything I've got to attain that prize. I want to be faithful to you. Not that I've already attained. Not that I'm any this or that. I just want to be faithful to you, pressing on to re see that upward call, that faithfulness. How do you become part of the bride? Faithfulness. Just being faithful and rising above all those challenges and saying, you know what? I can soar above these things. I can overcome these things. I'm an overcomer. You'll never be an overcomer if there's not something to overcome, right? In Revelation chapter 3, speaking to that Philadelphia church, verse 80 says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. I know what you've been doing. I've placed before you an open door. Hmm. Can I fly? Can I really fly? He said, I placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have a little strength. I know that you've been pressing hard. I know that you've been faithful over these things, and it's just left you with a little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. You've been faithful. You've not denied who I am, my character, my glory. You've not denied my name. Verse 10 goes on to say, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, endure patiently, endure, to keep on doing something in spite of opposition or difficulty. That's what endure means. I learned that definition through enduring. He says, Because you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. That's a great promise. And how do you get it? Being faithful. What do you want me to do? Being faithful. Well, there's a couple other characteristics of the eagle. First of all, there's protection. You know, they, when they get ready to lay the eggs, when the female gets ready to lay the eggs, um, the male eagle, he identifies the place very high on a cliff where there's no predators that can reach it and it builds that nest. And he'll go down and he'll get some, some twigs and he gets some thorns and puts in there. And then he'll go get some more grass and things put through there, get some more thorns. They lay these layers of thorns in there and those thorns are from the outside. It protrudes to the outside, which would protect the, the nest from, somebody, some, from a predator trying to crawl up on the outside lines it all in there, and then he watches over and they protect those, those chicks. That eagle has a strong protection drive. You know, I think how God protects us and how that we ought to have that as well, that we ought to look to, to those around us and, and to pray for one another and, and to ask God to, to surround them and to encompass them round about with songs of deliverance. God protects us. He's got that character, and that ought to be a part of us. And the 91st Psalm says, He who dwells in the shelter or in the secret place or the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Let me tell you something. That nest is like a shelter, a, sh a place of the Most High, the secret place of the Almighty. He said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, 
and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your, at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you, are, if you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in, uh, in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the snare. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With a long life will I satisfy him and show him my, my salvation." Wow, you know, God has those characteristics of, the, of the, the, uh, the adult eagle as they're being developed in us. When those little eaglets start to get bigger, well, the mom will push them kind of out on the, the nest, out on the ledge, and so they kind of look and they jump back in. So what she does is she begins to take that lining out from inside the nest where they, when they jump in, the thorns hit them and stick them and poke them, and they're, you know, now they're, so they want to get out of the nest. And so, that, so they jump out of the nest, and then she pushes them off, and they're falling. <laughs> the father swoops down and he gets them on his back and he brings them up. They think, oh, I'm saved. Just like that 91st Psalm. He, he'll raise you up, you know. He'll lift you up. And then he throws them off and they fall <laughs> again, you know. And then he goes down and swoops down and catches them again until finally they, as they, they're falling, they learn to fly. And then they begin to have this thing in their mind. I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly. And they begin to develop that eagle attitude where they say, you know what, I can fly. I can fly. So the times when you feel like that God's kicked you out of the nest and that you're falling, you're tumbling, I don't know why, why is God doing this to me? He always lifts you back up, right, to drop you again. <laughs> and then he picks you back up. How many of you have been through that before? And then pretty soon you begin to understand, you know what, I believe I can fly. <laughs> I believe I can fly. And you fly above those things. You begin to soar above that and you develop that into your life. It's not always easy, but it's never impossible. God took Elijah and when he thought he was fallen, he thought he'd had this great, he had had this great success when he'd called fire down from heaven and everything else. But then all of a sudden, you know, Jezebel makes these threats against him and he just feels like he's tumbling down. He finds himself and God tells him, he says, go to the brook. And he says, I'm going to have the ravens feed you there. And he goes and, and even there then he says, but the brook dries up and he has to leave. And he goes out through the desert part, the burning sand of Zarephath where he has to be taken care of by a Gentile widow. I mean, he's going through some horrible times when he feels like he's just dropping down, but God still comes in and, and he picks him up and then he takes care of him a little bit more. And then he drops him and picks him up and takes care of him just a little bit more. And he's always telling him, go there, you know, go there. And when we get to that, to there, God takes care of us and he's teaching us to how, how to fly. Because when Elijah got there, on that drop he began to see how that the widow could take care of him, but also God worked through her and worked that miracle. Remember how that she had that cruise of oil unfailing and, and that uh, God did, uh, gave her provision and, and there was plenty of provision forever? He, got to, he, got, he saw a miracle. Get ready to fly. Get ready to take flight because the miracles are coming in your life. When you feel like that you're tumbling down, know that God's going to catch you and take you to newer heights. God's got something for you. He's going to take you to higher heights uh, further than what you've ever been before. You've got to learn to soar on wings like eagles. Mount up with those wings. He says that, he says, they that wait upon the Lord, but those who hope or expect in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Number seven, learn to soar like the eagle. Those, his wings represent faith and belief in God. Stretch those wings out. When you're tumbling, taking that tumble, that fall to the earth, stretch out those wings of faith so that you can soar. And those, those wind thermals that come up, 
That's like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come up and he will sustain you. When you've got out your wings of faith and your wings of expectation, those, the Holy Spirit comes in and he will lift you up to higher heights than you've ever been. And just as the, the eagle learns to fly on the wind thermals, we need to learn how to soar on the Holy Spirit under his direction, under his power, that we can go forward allowing him to lead us in our, in our lives. You know, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, mounting up on those wind thermals of the Holy Spirit as we put out our wings of faith, our wings of, of hope and expectation in him. Listen to these words of that song again. I used to think that I could not go on and life was nothing but an awful song. But now I know the meaning of true love. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. If I see it, then I can do it. If I just believe it, there's nothing to it. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. I think about it every night and day. Spread my wings and fly away. I believe I can soar. I see me running through the open door. I believe I can fly. I want you to believe today that you can fly, that you can soar. I want you to know that he's put before you an open door that no man can shut. And you can go through that door when you learn how to soar above the opposition, the challenges, the difficulties of this life. Just be faithful. If you feel like you're in free fall, don't worry about it. Enjoy the fall <laughs> because he's going to lift you up. I love to ride roller coasters. I really do. I've always enjoyed it, but I enjoy it. I still today, if you want to go, I'll go with you. I love it. And every time I go, I like to get the biggest and the most, the most drop to it. And when I'm dropping and I feel that, you know, that, and you feel that gravity leave, you know, and, you're, and I think, yes, yes, I'm in free fall. Yeah. <laughs> I believe I can fly. I don't have to worry about it. You know, I know that it's going to be okay. I'm going to come down. I might hit another hill, go up and drop again. But you know what? Enjoy it. Learn how to enjoy it. We don't have to have the fear in these things. I believe I can fly. I believe I can soar above these things. I'm going to spread my wings and fly away. Amen. I believe I can soar and see me running through that open door. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? The same way that that eagle represents strength and power of rising above, being able to rise above the earth above the physical, above the literal, into that realm of faith, discernment, and penetrating spiritual discernment, you can be strong and rise above all your earthly problems. You can soar to new heights of faith. You can soar to new heights of discernment and, and spiritual understanding and spiritual vision. Put your faith and your expectation in the Lord. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Can you do that this morning? Put your hope, your expectation in the Lord. Maybe you feel like that, man, I am so tired. Maybe you feel the pains of the thorns in the nest. Maybe you feel like that you've been nudged out of the nest and you're wondering, what's going on, God? What's going on? Why me? Maybe you feel like you're in free fall. What's going on? God's just dropped me. Where is he? Get ready. You're about to take flight. <laughs> He's not going to let you hit bottom. He's going to pick you up, lift you up, take you to higher heights, teaching you to soar, teaching you to soar. You can be strong, and you can rise above challenges, all your earthly difficulties. You can soar to new heights of faith. You can have greater discernment, greater spiritual understanding. Right now, I want you to put your expectation, your hope in the Lord. Put your expectation in the Lord. I don't know what you're trusting in this morning. Maybe you're trusting in your job or in a raise or you're trusting in this or trusting in that or you're trusting in a person or maybe you're frustrated if, and you're saying, if so-and-so would have done such and such, then I could have had this. See, your expectation was in that person. 
or if such and such would have happened, I wouldn't be where I am. So you put your expectation in things. That's dropping out of the nest. Those things will let you down. Put your expectation in the Lord. Do it right now. Say, God, I, I don't understand why I'm where I am. You might feel like me when I ended up there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, wondering where in the world is God? I thought we had a good thing going. And I feel like he just dropped me. Maybe you feel like you've been dropped. Maybe you feel like you're in free fall. Put your expectation in God. Just say, just look up and say, I know you got me. I know you got me. You're picking me up. You're lifting me up. You're taking me to new heights. Don't accept the status quo. Reach higher and become more than you believe that you're capable of. Come on, get that eagle attitude. Look at things from a new, higher perspective. Be patient with the present. If the storm are on the horizon, get excited. Say, man, I'm about to take off. Know that the future holds the possibilities that you may not be able to see right now, but you're going to rise up above it. I prophesy over you that you're about to take flight. You're about to take flight. Say, I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly. I believe I can soar above this thing. It's not going to get me down. It's going to lift me up. The Holy Spirit's going to lift me up above this thing. Will you stand with me this morning? If you're here this morning and you're not sure that you're a child of God, let me tell you this. You'll never fly without Him. Can't do it. It's not possible. If you know that you're a Christian, if you know that you're a child of God, that you're going to spend eternity with Him, raise your hand right now. Just hold it up. Saying, thank you, Lord. I know I'm a believer. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can put your head, hands down. Bow your heads with me. Nobody looking around. If you weren't able to raise your hand, but you want to, if you're not sure that you're going to spend eternity with the Lord, if you're here this morning, if you're listening to my voice today through a podcast or however you're hearing this message, if you're not sure, will you just acknowledge that right now? Will you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Just by the uplifted hand, if you're here this morning, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I'm not sure. If you're hearing this through a podcast or whatever, hit that email thing and send me a message and say, I'm not sure, Pastor. Will you pray for me? You want to be a child of God? Let me tell you, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Do it. Don't live another day without him. If you're here this morning and you feel like that you've been dropped, <laughs> you're in free fall, you don't, you're wondering where is God in this thing. Nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand and, and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Amen. Amen. Somebody else? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Know that God has you. He's just teaching you greater faith. So what you need to do is put your expectation in him they that hope in the Lord those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength be encouraged today be encouraged today God hasn't forsaken you he's he never leaves you he never forsakes you he knows you right now he knows your situation he knows what you're capable of and you don't but if he believes in you, you need to believe in you. And you need to say, you know what? I believe I can fly above this thing. This thing's not going to get me down. I'm going to get above it. I'm going to get above it. De decide to do that. Choose to do that. And then do it. Say, God, you're my strength. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Now, you're here this morning. Every day... You need to stretch your wings, those wings of faith, those wings of expectation, and mount up. Let the wind thermals of the Holy Spirit raise you up and soar above things. You're able to pray differently when you're there with that discernment, with that spiritual discernment, with that perspective. You're able to pray differently. You're able to declare things differently. 
You're able to walk differently. You're able to interact differently. Will you choose to do that? Will you fly? Will you soar with him? Will you mount up with wings as an eagle? If you'll do that, just to your hand to the Lord, say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to soar above these things. I'm, a, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. Father, you see our hands today. We're declaring that we are going to be who you've designed us to be. Not little eaglets sitting in the nest with our mouth open, Father, but, but growing, stretching our wings, soar, flying and learning to soar above the problems and the difficulties. Let your blessings rest upon your people today, Father. We declare that we are overcomers. We declare that we are looking and longing and awaiting, loving your appearing. We can't wait. Lead us into the pathways of those who need you. Let us be a representative of you to the hurting, to the lost, to those that need you. Let us realize it's an awesome opportunity for us to represent you to those who need you. Fathers, we walk out these doors. We go out prepared to be used by you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Shake somebody's hand, hug their neck today, and go out this week to soar above all the problems that might come your way.